the axe of the blood god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Axe of the Blood God, U.S. Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. With me today, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here on this chilly day. Nadia, I'm amazed that you're still awake, given that you were up past midnight last night covering <laughs> the Game Awards. That was insane. Yeah, I was up, and uh, we were all covering the Game Awards together uh, in the Slack channel. We were all, It was a little bit of like a, kind of a slumber party, almost, atmosphere. Everyone just it was talking a family. We're hanging out, you know. We're all friends. We're all friends. Yeah, someone on the chat was telling on uh, sorry on Twitter was saying to me, "Oh, well, good luck to whoever's staying up tonight to cover that." And I said, "We're all staying up to cover it, except for <laughs> the UK guides because they're like it's like two in the morning for them." But yeah, it was really super late for them. So, so can I just say about the game awards? way too long just a, just a bit too long yeah I, I actually am very glad that they spent a significant amount of time paying tribute to carol shaw who yeah it was rad is responsible for a lot of uh like algorithms that we use today in games uh but otherwise it was um i don't know just a lot of talking i guess <laughs> yeah i mean that's kind of what it was right so and cursing at the oscars yeah uh, i mean the Whenever they were actually presenting the awards, I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then sometimes they would go through the awards really fast. Yeah. and you, Yeah, which is something they always do. But the RPG award, like, they're just like, oh, Persona 5 gets best RPG. Congratulations, guys. Here's a, here's a participation medal. Okay, let's They didn't get even trailer. announce the multiplayer game. They didn't. That was great. <laughs> I actually voted in those awards, so it was kind of interesting to be a part of that process. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. for how much of your effort got up there, I guess. Yeah, well, uh, the right game won, in my opinion. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild pretty much swept the awards. It did, and I have to say, even though people look back on it now, and of course, now, it, since we had time to percolate with uh, our uh, opinions, people kind of are harder now on Zelda than they were, say, back in March, and that's understandable. But no matter which way you look at it, um, it's just a really well-built game. And when I look at the other mm. games I loved so much this year, I can see like really glaring flaws that Zelda did not have. So in terms of a just a really well-built, well-polished game, by all means, I am okay with Zelda taking it. I, I think that Zelda definitely has points that you can argue over. Exactly. But it's hard to say, this is a flaw. Yeah. It's almost kind of a... It's an interesting creative choice that can actually be... Mm -hmm. kind of kicked around and debated and you can talk about why they decided to put that in there or whatever um i know a lot of people are extremely harsh on the weapon degradation system Mm -hmm. for example and to be perfectly honest i like weapon degradation come at me don't at (laughs) me cat likes punishment it's not punishment um it is a system that ensured that I was never using the same weapon forever. Mm-hmm. I was constantly kind of on my toes, and it was a wet system that subtly pushed me to continue going out into the world and looking around. And if you play at a normal pace, there will be very few instances where you won't have any weapons. Yeah, I, I agree. And actually, that actually pushed me to get the Master Sword as soon as possible. And you can't just go out there and get the Master Sword. You need to be sufficiently strong to do it. But I said to myself, okay, I have a real reason to get the Master Sword now because it doesn't break. It takes time to recharge, but it's always there for you if you need it. 
If anything, I kind of wish that it had a bigger inventory from the start. Yeah. Because I, I think that having to, I, I, it made it hard to stash items. And there were times where I was dropping items because I was like, oh God, but I need this sword and I yeah. I need to hold on to it because just in case, right? Yeah. So it does put you into that position. But I, I think the thing with Breath of the Wild is much like Dark Souls, people were, when Dark Souls came out in 2011, people were going, well, I mean, how can you call Dark Souls game of the year? I mean, have you been to Blight Town? Have you seen the frame rate there? <laughs> and it's obvious that Dark Souls is more than a sum of its parts. Exactly. It's a transcendently good game that has clearly stood the test of time over the past six years. It was, It is self-evidently one of the best games to come out that year, mm-hmm. along with Skyrim. Yeah, Skyrim is a good game and it has stood the test of time. I agree. You know, more flawed than Dark Souls, I would argue. Just but. yeah, just a little bit more flawed. But uh, I'm seeing more. a lot of people bought it for the Switch and they they're playing it. I see I see yep. the uh, prompts popped up all the time when I when I'm playing hey, whatever. I got it on my Switch. Yeah, so. <laughs> you, you surrendered, eh? And I'm convinced that Breath of the Wild will be the same deal. I am in five, ten years. We will still be talking about how amazing Breath well, of yeah, the Wild was. Yeah, I mean, I was. just I've gone back to it for the DLC, which we'll be talking <laughs> about. And, yeah, I just kind of fell right back into it and really found I, I was enjoying myself again and just the riding across the plains on your horse and seeing this person, seeing that person. is like, oh, here's a shrine I haven't even seen before. It's just that kind of a game. So congratulations to Nintendo and the Breath of the Wild team on getting all of the awards. I'm sure that will be continue to be the case. Um, we were all talking about it in Slack, and we are yeah. like, Mario and Zelda is the boring choices this year, right? <laughs> They're perfectly boring games, frankly. And we'll see how that and en- how things end up shaking out here at US Gamer because we now have our list of all the games that have been nominated for the top twenty best games. We're gonna make a big list. We're gonna do the twenty best games of twenty seventeen. And Breath of the Wild's definitely in there. Near Automata's definitely in there. Whole lot of games and I I would definitely not say that it's a shoe-in that Breath of the Wild's going to win. I know that Katie in particular is like, Katie. it's not even my top five. Katie's our chaos agent. She just has, she just <laughs> throws that spanner in there. The thing I love the most about Katie is that she has strong opinions and she's willing to argue them to the death. Oh, yes. Yeah. She's and that's be- great. I actually, I, I was thinking about it. The reason why I like having her opinion so much, even though sometimes it makes me furious, is because mm. she is a younger person. She is quite a bit younger than you or I. And mm. I think that kind of perspective is very valuable in this industry, which is so nostalgia-driven. Um, so here comes uh, Katie with her not really having any opinion whatsoever on Mario or Zelda. So she can look at it these games through a fresh set of eyes and say, okay, yeah, these at their core, at their base, they're either good games or they're bad games. Not, is this a good Zelda game? Is this a good Mario game? Just, is this a good or a bad game? Yeah, I think this industry is also kind of prone to groupthink in a lot of respects. Oh, yeah. And at a certain point, people just accept, this is a good game or this is a bad game. So to have somebody come in and say, well, I don't know about that yeah. and start throwing bombs, <laughs> like I kind of appreciate that to be... Perfectly yeah. honest. She she comes in with a film critic's eye. She she went to school for film criticism. Oh, I didn't know that. And kind of fell into games. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really interesting. She, she plays more games than any of us. I, she I'm does. not entirely convinced that she's a, she sleeps because she'll be like, "Oh yeah, I beat it yesterday." And you're like, "You've had it for two days." Yeah. Yeah, I beat it. 
Yeah, she's really yeah. remarkable in that regard. Like, she just picks up anything and she plays it. And see, I'm very picky, as you know. I'm, I, I just, I'm, something has to be in my wheelhouse for me to really get into it, which I know I'm going to work on that next year. But not her. She's just like, oh, this is a game. I'll play it right now. Yeah, here's the thing. Because she's younger, she benefits from uh, she she doesn't get hit by time dilation like we do, right? So time actually runs slower for her. (laughs) How she's able to squeeze in more games for us, where I'm like going, but she's got it takes me like a weekend to get through 15 hours of a game for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about Nier Automata, which Nadia and I have both been playing. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which I have also been playing. Uh, we're going to talk about the Breath of the Wild DLC, which just came out. We're not going to be talking about the Destiny 2 DLC, though I will say that Katie didn't like it very much. <laughs> Speaking of. Uh, so you can go read the coverage of that on the site. Uh, and uh, But really quickly, first... A small announcement, relatively speaking, but uh, Romancing Saga 2, the remake, has been uh, officially announced mm-hmm. for the PlayStation 4, the Switch, PC, and Xbox One. It's coming out here in the U.S., and it'll be out next week, yeah. actually. So, one a nice little surprise for you, especially, I love that it's coming out on the Nintendo Switch. That's a good addition. Yeah, I, I am happy. Put all the RPGs on Switch. Thank you. Yes, and I was looking at some of the screenshots of the remaster because it looks like it's going to be based on the uh, the remaster of the, yeah. the PlayStation Vita. And, and there's one for mobile as well. I think that was the same one. Yeah, I like the, the 2D art of mm. the PlayStation Vita version. Yeah, it looks like a... a I was never a huge fan of Saga. Uh, I played Final Fantasy Legend, which was um, basically a Saga game brought localized for this audience and they use the final fantasy name for obvious reasons but uh yeah i never really played much saga outside of that one game not a saga fan no but it hasn't really had much of a presence here in the you you know north american shores yeah definitely a japanese uh, hardcore old school japanese rpg i mean of course the i think the thing that most people really know about it from uh history is that final fantasy the original uh the original saga came out on the game boy as final fantasy legend Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was uh like i was telling you earlier it was a very good game for the game boy a very good rpg but i was very new to rpgs at the time so i was kind of lost (laughs) and the translation wasn't so great so it made directions a little obtuse yeah i got to the final boss in that one i think i've said here on this podcast i think that was my first Honest to God RPG. I think that was my first one ever. Wow. And I got all the way to uh I got away to the final boss, but I didn't grind enough. Oh, you probably was, got destroyed. I got destroyed, got got freaking rolled, so Do you remember so who was in your Because I remember I Oh had- heck no. I, I remember it was <laughs> you could customize it. You could create your own yeah, characters you your at own the party. start. You had like uh humans, uh I think like mutants they were called, or maybe they were elves in the Japanese version. I like the monsters because the monsters would eat meat that you, that the enemies dropped and change. Usually, just something worse. Yeah, um, I just remember that you went to the different floors of the tower, yeah. and each one had its own story. And I remember being like, "Oh wow, this is a really emotional story." And the music was excellent. The music was good. I got the crystal sword, which uh, that that was my downfall. Was that I got the crystal sword, and it was so good. 
mm-hmm. I was just rolling through everything, and then I got to the final boss, and I was doing all this damage to it, but not enough. It eventually overwhelmed me. Never finished that one. God sadly. laughed at your crystal sword. And of course, Saga Frontier came out in 1997. That was when I was in the full throes of uh, Square Soft Fever, <laughs> and Saga Frontier Two had really beautiful graphics mm-hmm. uh, for its time. It was a, it was quite pretty. I could not wrap my mind around that game. <laughs> Did you ever play Saga Frontier Two? No, no, that was one that. Um that's when I didn't have a, a PlayStation, and uh, mm. when I finally got one, I thought, okay, maybe I'll get it, but I had so many games to get caught up on that I just never went back to it. I I bought... that. Th- this was a period where I had a job. This <laughs> is when I got my cash. first ever job. I was working for, like, KFC or something. Nice. And, and I used my the money that I got from it to basically buy Squaresoft games sight unseen. Oh, man, Nice. And I looked at the back, I was like, oh, this is a really pretty game. And then I was like, I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is too bad. But a lot of people say uh, Saga Frontier 2, not not super great. Yeah, I think I remember a Penny Arcade comic where uh, the game was calling out to Gabe on the shelf. And uh, Gabe's like, I'm not going to buy you Saga uh, Frontier 2. Everyone says you're really bad. He's like, but look at my (laughs) graphics. I'm so pretty. It really was so pretty. Oh, my God. That was a pretty game. But Romancing Saga 2, uh, the thing that's kind of interesting about that game is that instead of fighting the Empire, which is a common theme in JRPGs, mm-hmm. being the Rebel Alliance, you are the Empire. You are the Empire. Now you are the Empire. You, you even have an accountant. <laughs> I love that. Because I can't, like, I can't keep finances for crap. So here, if I'm an Emperor, there's no way I'm keeping my own finances. So here, here's an accountant. We thought of this for you. Apparently, a, a, a key revenue source in the Empire is killing monsters. That makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And you draw from the Imperial Treasury to be able to kit yourself out. You know, a little bit of a kleptocracy going on here, but, <laughs> I say. But uh, I would say it's interesting. Uh, it's a very different RPG um, that definitely is kind of a, more of a cult favorite, mm-hmm. I would say, than a... Uh, a mainstream favorite but now that it's coming out on the nintendo switch seems like a good portable game uh potentially something that is worth checking out yeah i will <laughs> oh will you i will uh, i'm gonna hold you to that Nadia. i'm gonna make you report on it you probably are i'm gonna make you write a one-page single-based report about romancing saga 2 from the nintendo switch what is it with pl- with schools that make you write like by page i once i started writing for money everyone was like okay so many words oh, okay word count really does make more sense doesn't it, does. it? I, I don't understand well this is uh from the days of back when you had to actually hand write out reports oh, God, on pages so or you terrible. had typewriters right yeah and you were tearing off the pages i think you couldn't exactly do word count on a typewriter that's true that's a good point. But on a PC, obviously now it's like, okay, now it's a word count. Yeah. You have to be up to this word count. Please don't give me this double... S- and yes, you still have to do double space and all that. But mm. None of this double space, 12 point font. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it not 12 point? 24 point font. 24 point font. <laughs> on your PC, nonsense. But okay. So moving on. Uh, one of the, Getting back to the Game Awards, Nadia... Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the <laughs> surprise announcements was that the second DLC for Breath of the Wild, the Champion's Ballad, mm-hmm. 
was out that night, which of course was a really fun thing because I, I mean, everybody was like, oh, great, awesome. So this is out of nowhere on a Thursday night. And the way that it works is as soon as something gets confirmed, right? You go, okay, it's coming out this time. So we need to be able to get, make sure that every, all our ducks in a row, who's covering it, yep. who's going to be doing the guides for it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Instead, it was like, oh, it's out. Play it now. Oh, okay. There was a Nadia. lot of swearing in the, in the Slack channel, especially once Hiran woke up, the, our guides guy. Yeah. Uh, he he just I think he was going to kill himself. <laughs> I think Hiran's uh, response was along the lines of "Ah, yeah, a lot of screaming." Yeah, pretty much. So, but Nadia, you played it. You played a whole bunch of it. Did you finish it? No, I did not finish it because what happens is uh, when you start, you have to go through a really strange trial and beat four shrines, and then you move on to the next part. And I haven't moved on to the next part yet. Uh, but you wake up. Uh, sorry, you have to beat the first. You have to beat the four divine beasts before you can take on this trial. And once you do that, mm. uh, you go back to the Shrine of Awakening, and you get this weird sword that looks like a tuner fork. And this sword can kill anything in one hit. Uh, but when you wield it, your health goes down to a quarter of a heart. So anything can kill you in one hit. And you are expected to find basically four enemy nests. And these uh, things are just crawling with, like, Weak enemies as much as strong enemies because uh, if you swing the sword and hit an enemy with it, it still needs a couple of seconds to charge up. So you can't just go in there and go wee and, and swing everywhere and kill everything in your path because uh, this actually happened to me. A moblin where wielding a Deku leaf can kill you if you are helpless. Oh, dear God. Yeah. So what it forces you to do is basically go back to the basics and look at your terrain and look at how you can use it to your advantage to snipe enemies because you can still have your bow and arrow how to use environmental traps to take them down and when it comes down to it when's the best time to get face to face with these guys and just clobber them because of course you have uh, if you have like a silver moblin you there's no way you're going to snipe that because it's going to take you forever so you, that's those are the ones you want to get up and kill up close but you still have to you still have to come up with a strategy for the the weaker ones like for example scouts that will call in reinforcements so i found that part of the dlc really interesting Mm. um it takes place on the great plateau in different terrain like more mountainous more forested uh there's kind of a little bit of a haze going on so you got a bit of a fog of war going on there uh but the problem i have with this dlc is the shrines because there's four shrines to conquer and most of them are okay three of them i actually kind i liked quite a bit but there's one called, I think, what was it called? Stop to Start, and it's awful. It's a just full of spikes everywhere. It's a long shrine. There's a lot of tricky jumping across, like, a lot of moving platforms, which, you know, you don't really, you can't really do so well in the shrines because you don't have a lot of your backup tools and stuff that help you get through things. And I died so many times trying to get through this mm. shrine, and when you die, you start over. Uh, and if you're God. talking about a four, if you're talking about a gauntlet where you go through like four individual challenges dealing with spikes, it gets really frustrating really fast. And I don't know. I don't think it was a really good design choice for Nintendo to put this in their story-based DLC. No, right? it doesn't sound like it. No, like I can understand. So I wrote something on the site that you should go check out. But I think that having us 
do, doing the whole challenge with the one-hit kill, that I understood, that I enjoyed, because it really kind of brings you back to those opening hours of Zelda when we all kind of fumbled around and got our asses kicked by, like, the goblins with sticks because we, we had to relearn how to play Zelda. So this is basically getting you back into Zelda again from the basics. And you do kind of learn to appreciate the things again, like the, the stuff that you forgot when you're in level, like, 40 hours later, like I said, like, using the terrain, using the, the hazards... Uh, and I'm fine with the most of the shrines, like I said, but just that one shrine is just not fun. But more importantly, did you get that sweet motorcycle? I have not gotten the damn motorcycle. <laughs> Come on, Nadia. <laughs> you don't get the motorcycle till you finish, as I understand it. The Master Cycle Zero? That's pretty cool. It's like a unicorn. A unicorn? Yeah, as in, like, the actual thing is a unicorn? Well, I don't know. If you look at it, like, it's a divine beast of its own. And if you look at it, it's basically a, a horse with a horn. And it's charging, I suppose, if you drive it. It's pretty badass. I like that they can put that into Zelda, and it actually almost makes sense, because there's actually a secret kind of technological yeah. element to Zelda. <laughs> it doesn't look out of place at all. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And also there's like a, a horse with mur- with armor and stuff. It's a murder horse. I called it the murder horse, yeah. But uh, I think what that does actually is um, it's not a horse by itself. It's uh, armor you can get for your horse. And you can summon your horse from anywhere, which is great. So this DLC is basically a prequel because it sends you back in time. And yeah. you are kind of discovering what happened 100 years before. Yeah, so I haven't really gotten to the story part of the DLC yet. I honestly don't know how long it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be playing it through the weekend, and, and I'll probably have more of a report on Monday. Oh, I look forward to hearing that. So so you, you're off to a start. Did you manage to beat all four uh, shrines? Yes, I beat all four shrines, and I'm about to move on to the next part of the, the DLC. Because once you That's beat the excellent. shrines, uh, you're cool weapon explodes and the it turns into four balls of light that show you where you need to go next oh interesting yeah. okay is it a lot more directed and linear than the standard breath of the wild uh gameplay at first yes because you're on the great plateau and <laughs> if you leave the plateau the challenge ends you can start it again if you just pick up the weapon again at the shrine of resurrection but the the balls of light that i talked about earlier it looks like they've flown off to the corners of hyrule so it looks like i'm about to go on an adventure going on an adventure i got my horse back so yay well i look forward to hearing your additional thoughts Mm -hmm. i still haven't finished breath of the wild but i i do plan to beat it next week because i am going on a trip and i'm gonna bring my switch with me and I, i think i've mentioned already that i still have two divine beasts to go but i'm really in a position where basically i'll kill a divine beast get the master sword kill another divine beast and then I can pretty much head over to Ganon's castle and wrap it all up because I'm relatively powerful and I've done a, a lot in the game. I've just been kind of delaying going after the divine, uh, the last couple divine beasts up until yeah. this point so that I could do a whole bunch of shrines and things. Yeah, I, I did the same. It's, just, it's very much a game that lets you go at your own pace. Actually, I need to look up some of the speedrunners. everybody just to let you know that there are some spoilers for xenoblade chronicles 2's upcoming first two chapters in this discussion so if you don't want any spoilers you might want to skip ahead all right let's keep going okay nadia so last week we talked about xenoblade chronicles 2 Mm -hmm. 
a game that you played and reviewed and ultimately ended up really enjoying. And based on your review, I decided to go and download it for myself. And I have been playing it on and off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I believe I tweeted out that so far I've been really digging it. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny going uh, between Xenoblade Chronicles and Zelda. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to just kind of gauge the differences between the two because they are kind of similar but quite kind of different, obviously. But Xenoblade Chronicles Two is so noisy and and frantic and mad, and Zelda is so calm and organized and <laughs> and it knows everything what it knows what it wants to be. But I, I really love Xenoblade Chronicles Two for all that noise and madness it's throwing it feels like it's throwing a new system at me every five minutes yeah you'll definitely feel like that for a long time and i had a kind of a eureka moment where so uh obviously the premise of the game is you're a driver Mm -hmm. and you have a blade who is kind of like a a person or an animal or something that is helping you out and when you equip this thing your abilities all change. Yeah. And you get a whole new slate of abilities and everything. And initially you have Pyra. She's the first one that you get. And I'm playing in Japanese. Okay. So her Japanese voice track is your very typical kind of demure Japanese uh, Japanese lady voice. So oh, it's not the high-pitched squealing. No, no, no. Very it's good. very... Uh, how, do, how do I describe it? Um Definitely not the Genki voice, but mm. the Genki being energetic, mm-hmm. super high-pitched, but much more, I'm very quiet and demure, and I just want to, I just want to be good. You <laughs> kind of mousy? Yeah, I'm not mousy, classy. Okay, yeah. I'm keeping uh, myself together. For want of a better word, I think classy is a terrible word, but a mm. terrible way to put it, but But I know, what you, I know the sound like that. of the voice that you're, you're talking about. There are certain archetypes in anime, right? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, she would be kind of the Aerith voice. Okay, perfect. There we go. Now I can As opposed, it. The, the Aerith voice is opposed to the Yuffie voice. <laughs> She's an Aerith, but not a Yuffie. Okay, that's perfect. Yes, exactly. So, so you have some abilities. You have an ability where you kind of do an AoE attack, or you can run up and do a back attack. You're, mm-hmm. you're pretty typical Xenoblade Chronicles stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's also one that generates potions. I find it really interesting yeah. that you can't just heal straight up, that you have well, you, to you generate later. potions. Oh, you can later. Okay. Uh, yeah. Have you met Nia yet? Have I met Nia yet? Which one is Nia? She's the cat girl with the draw mark, the big tiger. Yeah. Okay. She has a healing ability. Okay. Well, she left my party, so Nia. I don't know where she is right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, but right now it's just me and... I'm actually in the middle of a quest that I'm not a huge fan of. Which one? Uh, so I have to get a whole bunch of items. It's a kind of a two-part quest. And one of them involves kind of venturing out into the field and killing an enemy. And then another one involves sca- scavenging mm. and getting three of these one kind of items. Uh, to be honest, I have no idea what's going on right now. <laughs> All I know is that I'm on the run or something because we discovered Pyra mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, we discovered Pyra and she's a, obviously a very 
valuable commodity because she's a thing because she's in, a- in this universe. <laughs> she is. I mean, yeah, that's she, a good way to put it, though. she's an object. She's yeah. literally been objectified. Oh, yeah. And uh, my buddies who are trying to help me out are suddenly trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I... And so I'm like, okay, I'm on the run. And but one of them, the Tiger Girl, uh, she's giving me she's giving me a helping hand, and we're in town now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, um, but now she's gone away. But I got another blade. Yeah. And uh, by the way, I'm gonna have to do a like a record a separate. By the way, there's a little bit of spoilers in this, so <laughs> so I'll put that before before we start in, but. Anyway, uh, so I have the second blade, and it's this kind of boxing guy. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. One of the uh, male blades. Male blade. Looks like, looks like a Pokemon. He's not human. Yeah. And, yeah, it looks like he could absolutely be in Pokemon. And so I run out into the field to take on this level 9 enemy, or level 10 enemy or something, and I got rolled. I got <laughs> annihilated with Pyra. I was like, dang, okay, what do I need to do now? And the game was like, try the other blade. And I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, I got another blade. And so I equipped it and bada bing, bada boom. All of a sudden I'm healing up as I'm attacking and I'm able to use the uppercut to knock it over and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. I like this. I'm all right with that, so that's about where i am in xenoblade chronicles 2 not not terribly far in Mm -hmm. i've been kind of playing it on and off when um whenever just i have a free moment usually before bed or i'll be watching parks and rec or something though you're right it is the kind of game that you want to listen to with headphones because it has a pretty good soundtrack it has a pretty fantastic soundtrack uh especially the area you're in the the big plane the big huge monster thing that you're on the back of i love the music for that area but the whole the whole soundtrack is just beautiful yeah and the first time you show up and you look up at that monster and you go wow oh okay this is really cool actually yeah and uh, what i really like graphically very pretty artistically very pretty yeah like it's it's a i i agree that with the criticism that is really jarring how the character designs look against the the environments and backgrounds and enemies mm. But uh, that's what happens. You don't have a, a central character designer, I suppose. Uh, the character designs are also pretty boring. Let's mm-hmm. be perfectly honest here. I mean, it's very stock anime from the main character Pyra, mm-hmm. the cat girl. I like Dromark though. I just—he's such a simple design, but just somehow really compelling. Uh, Mike, are you talking about like the tiger? Digimon. Are you talking about the tiger? The tiger, the white tiger. Yeah, he looks cool. Yeah. I like the white tiger. I immediately wanted him on my team. Yeah, you always want Dromark. He knows what's up. Yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. So, yeah. So, I so there was a lot of discussion about handheld versus console. Right. Uh, I think that there's a definitely noticeable difference between docked and handheld. Mm-hmm. But having played it for a bit now, it's not as jarring. Right. Right. Um, just the way I've heard a couple of people talk about how they they talk about like it's unplayable in handheld and it's not at all it's perfectly playable that's oh yeah no uh they get the frame rate right which is kind of the main thing for me i haven't encountered any frame rate hitches or any bugs or anything i think that when you're in a field i I think the environmental textures take a noticeable hit when Mm -hmm. you're in handheld mode 
but uh, it definitely looks better in docked mode for sure. Mm-hmm. But just the art style, like the fact that the characters are kind of cell shaded, definitely uh, definitely helps. And yeah. I don't have, and the, also the fact that it has a rel- the Switch has such a big screen compared to the yeah the Vita. Yeah, I agree. Uh, because I played, of course, Xenoblade Chronicles on the new 3DS, and that was kind of so-so. The Switch has really spoiled me on the D- the 3DS and the yeah, Vita. Yeah, I, really I can has. imagine. You must be like, you're going back to Pokemon must have been like, oh god, what am I looking at? I mean, a little bit. I, I The 3DS is fine, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, funnily enough, I just bought an iPad Mini 4, so I was deliberately going for a smaller screen in that case. <laughs> but part of the reason I got an iPad was because I wanted something bigger than my phone, mm-hmm. but not as big as an iPad. And yeah. coincidentally, the iPad Mini 4 screen about just about the same size oh. as a, a Nintendo Switch, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the right size for me. It's the size that I want. So. I think it's the right size for most people. It's just a really good size. Like, it's not too big, not too yeah. small. It's like the, the third bowl of porridge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so as, as for playing in handheld, like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no problem with it and once my eyes adjusted a little bit to the slightly degraded textures in the in the overworld in the environments i was like okay this is fine i I think that it can get a little busy yeah i I think you were saying that it was pretty chaotic i agree with that uh, sentiment uh, about xenoblade chronicles 2 mostly because you walk into a town it's like an mmorpg Uh uh-huh you see a zillion titles and town uh stalls and all the stalls have different things that they're selling it's very confusing at first yeah, actually, that's that Xenoblade in a nutshell. I was having played the game a lot. I was thinking back to what really attracted me to the first Xenoblade, and that was I actually did like the fact it played like a MMO, but a single player MMO. And I think that's one of the reasons Schreider mentioned he hates the series because it's basically a single player MMO. But you're right. You have those titles, you have those innumerable quests, you have uh, the names above everyone, you have the enemy levels everywhere and the fact that there's like monster enemies just waiting to pounce on you and destroy you if you get too close to them it is very mmo like which i can understand why that's divisive but i love it yeah i did aggro a few uh, of the giant animals uh, <laughs> a couple times it got rolled but i think it's a tiny bit reductive to say that this is an mmo because an mmo has a very specific purpose which is mm-hmm. to keep you playing and as you you can be rolling through the single player content, but all that single player content is geared around co-op. It's geared right. around you playing with other people. Right. And that dramatically affects just everything about the game, big and small, mm-hmm. that one singular purpose. But more than that, if there's one thing that I've, this is kind of a petty complaint, but if there's something that I've really gotten sick of in MMORPGs, it's walking into a town and seeing a zillion people wearing all kinds of different armor who are dancing around or clearly <laughs> running to go drop off loot or buy new items or something. And it's really jarring and takes me out of the moment. I hate common areas mm, that's interesting. in MMORPGs. They're, I, ugh, they're so annoying for me because they just, they're super immersion breaking. And do, that's yeah, not, I know what you mean. Yeah, and that's not the case in Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I do think that the main town's a little too big. Yeah, you're, um, the town you're in now, that's one of the biggest in the game. Yeah, I don't think it needs to be that big. No. I mean, it's impressive. 
it is very impressive. Like it's the kind of town I'd want to live in if I if it was a real place because sure. I found this really interesting just little nook in the town where the residential area is and just hmm. it'd be like the kind of neat place to live because you're right on the sea and you 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 got like the the rest of the structure above you. It was just like a little cranny. I really lo- I really loved that. But yeah, uh, thank God for fast travel. But as for all of the systems, I, I think people are being a little harsh on it. I mean, admittedly, I'm not that far in it, but mm-hmm. I've unlocked most of the systems. Uh, the randomized blades thing, the aux cores thing that you can use to upgrade your people, the accessories. Yeah. I mean, it's not that confusing, okay? No, I mean, it. The, the, my main problem was that there's no in-game tutorial you can access when you're sure. afterwards. But like I said, if I could figure it out, I'm pretty sure... It's not that hard to figure out. It is a having prior knowledge of Xenoblade helped me, I admit, mm. but um, I don't find it an impenetrable an impenetrable wall by any means. I was a little confused by the actual progression, but as I took a look at it, I was like, "Oh, so I have to complete specific objectives right. to be able to unlock uh, additional things with this character." Okay, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, uh, your characters themselves. They level up using weapon points and skill points, but your blades, uh, there are different things, you, different requirements you have to meet to level them up. And sometimes it's pretty standard, like uh, a game, you know, build trust with your blade or kill this certain enemy. But other times it's really weird. Like I have this one guy who loves food and you have to feed him a bunch of food <laughs> and <laughs> keep feeding him food. Yeah, I gotta say that I'm really happy that I'm playing in Japanese because there's that little meh-meh thing. <laughs> Tora. Running around. Oh my god, so annoying. What does he sound like in Japanese? I haven't downloaded the track yet. I mean, pretty typical Japanese sounds, but... So, you know how uh, the old man gets, uh, I don't know, turns into the little guy. Gramps, so the, yeah. The, Gramps turns into the little pet that rides around inside the helmet. Mm-hmm, he's cute. Man, what a what a weird voice <laughs> to to have that, like, that old man voice like come out of this. No, no, he thing. doesn't have the old man voice. I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of an old man voice, but it's not the same. Mm, really? Uh, it's it's. I mean, he's obviously been shrunk down. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. yeah. It's weird. He but... has the same voice in English, like whether he's big or small. I find the the combat pretty chill. Mm-hmm. I agree, I, actually. I, yeah, I like going out into the world, and once a, a battle begins, there's a certain flow to it. Yeah. Where you're using the different abilities, waiting for them to recharge, which is very MMORPG-like, exactly, let's yeah. be honest here. And then uh, your super ability uh, charges up, and then you hit that, mm-hmm. and then you hit them. And it took me a little bit to kind of grok the concept of the blade combos. Yeah, me too. But once I understood, oh, okay, just make sure that you get the timing down so that it'll recharge in time for you to be able to use it again while the little heat or aqua or wind gauge are still going, you'll be golden, right? Exactly. And then doing that in conjunction with your partner, like there's a lot of stuff happening on the screen at once, but Mm -hmm. not so much so that it's overwhelming. Yeah, it looks a lot more confusing than it actually is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, given even a little bit of time i just i felt like i had wrapped my head around the systems pretty quickly yeah yeah so the quests that you're talking about now are these story quests that you have to do i can't remember yeah they're they're story quests right i'm in town 
I have to scavenge. It's it's really just teaching me the, the still teaching me the systems. Yeah, yeah. So one is okay. So you got a second blade. Here's how you use the second blade to kill an enemy. Mm-hmm. And the other quest is, uh, we are going to give you some normal cylinders. Use these normal cylinders to go scavenge. Right. I need to find a certain item. Uh, of course, yeah. silver or gold cylinders give you better items. Yes. Uh, I was thinking about buying a silver cylinder just to see what I would get, but normal cylinders actually yielded pretty good award- rewards, so... Uh, yeah, the, the normal cylinders for that part in the game, to be honest with you, I haven't really salvaged a whole lot. Like, the stuff that you buy, if you make sets with them... Sorry, this is the stuff that you salvage. If you make sets with them, you can sell them for a lot of money, but I just never bothered. I find it really interesting that they have a gotcha mechanic without a microtransaction in there. Yeah, that's a, I have to admit, that's a little annoying, because... Uh, rare cores I know there's a certain way to get them but I haven't gotten a lot and it kind of sucks when you I guess hatch a rare blade you're trying to hatch a rare blade and you get another common one yeah that kind of weird (laughs) yeah I'm just glad they didn't monetize it if they monetized it you know now what I meant when I said they could monetize the hell out of this game but they didn't thank god they would have been annihilated if they had though oh god they would have just been destroyed and they couldn't have known about the absolute storm that ended up erupting around EA. Oh mm-hmm. my god, during the Game Awards, everybody was taking shots at oh EA. Oh god, were they ever? My god, poor EA. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought I'd say that. Poor EA. Well, I think it's more, people will go, oh, EA made their bed. That's true. Mm-hmm. But EA is not a monolithic organization, okay? No. There are a lot of good people working for EA. I know some of them. Yeah. And... Are just they just want to make a good game, right? Yeah. And they are being dictated to from above, or they're being exactly. dictated to by investors or whatever. And so, <laughs> I just felt kind of was like, oh my god, like they're just sh- like shooting fish in a barrel at the game. <laughs> exactly, it's kind of a cheap shot at this. But point. But let's be honest, they would have not, they would have monetized it. They would have monetized it. Blade so hard. Oh my oh, god. Oh yeah, like two seconds. I, I, they would have just been, they would have taken one look at him and said, so, I mean, obviously you're going to include some kind of mechanic where you can get stronger master, stronger monsters through accelerators, right? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yes, you are, right? I mean, it's <laughs> just like opening packs of ultimate team cards. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I didn't think that I would actually be getting it as much into Xenoblade Chronicles 2 as I ultimately did, but I'm going to keep playing it when I fly out next week. And we'll see how far I get. Uh, we'll see if I end up beating it. I, I might. Yeah. I might actually. Because, yeah, like it's I said, I'm kind of digging it. All right, Nadia, before we wrap up, let's talk about one more game that we are both playing. Mm-hmm. How far are you in your automata? Uh, let's see. I was actually going to play more of it last night, but then Zelda dropped. So, yeah, uh, it, it does that. Zelda does do Zelda that. Just, just kind of drops out of the sky. So, I was several hours into the game. I was in the open world. I can't remember what my specific task was, but I have tucked away like uh, qu- a, a significant slice of the game. I do know that I wasted a lot of time fishing, though, so I'm not sure how much <laughs> of that is fishing. I don't, I'm not that far. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can talk about it easy enough. All right, so like before, we're going to have some more spoilers. So, But maybe not super-duper spoilers. Yeah, this is just pretty early in the game. Kind of more for the early part of the game. So basically what happens is... One of the first things that happens is you're, it's a top-down shooter, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, that took me by It was kind of rad, actually. It was really yeah, awesome. It was pretty I enjoyed neat. that. 
yeah, I enjoyed that part of the game. And you're running through an abandoned factory and you're fighting this huge monster with these razor hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're giants. The, the, the razors are much, much bigger than you. Yes. I made a big mistake, Nadia. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I died. Oh, I don't think I died against that guy. What happened? So one of the first things that the game tells you is this game does not autosave. Right. We will tell you when you can save, which is such a departure. It's so antithesis, uh, so the antithesis of everything, because you're so used to this game will periodically autosave your progress, right? This one's like, no, we won't. (laughs) So (laughs) too bad. You're responsible. Too bad. So for a large chunk of the opening area, which is like, you know, 30, 45 minutes long, Mm -hmm. you don't save. And I accidentally let myself die and I had to restart. But I got an ending out of it. Oh, okay. So that's one of the fabled endings. I got an ending. I got ending W. So. What does that mean? What does that stand for? Whoa. I mean, there are multiple different endings of A, B, C, D. So this one was W. And it's it's quite a simple it's quite a simple ending, but I I liked it so. I'm gonna have so, to yeah. try it, start another game and die and try that. Yeah, do that. Uh, so I came back and I did it again, and this time I won because I had enough items and everything. Mm. It was fine, and it's actually uh, pretty emotional because <laughs> you die. You die. Yep. Die in game this time. Yep. And now you're in space, and you discover that it turns out that at some point in the year 5,000 aliens show up and wipe out humans and humans are forced to the moon and to get rid of the aliens on the surface, uh, humanity has created a race of androids Mm -hmm. and the androids are hanging out in space stations and being launched down to Earth. I'm going to make a prediction. Having not played this game, I bet all the humans on the moon are dead. Yeah, I, I guess I, I don't know to be honest because I haven't played that far. But uh, maybe one, le- yeah, maybe when I left the door open, <laughs> they all I, died. I think it. I think that it's all automated, mm. and they are just going down and they're fighting for the because at one point you go down to the planet, right? You're going on these missions to fight yeah. the aliens who have created their own robots. Yeah, and you're fighting the robots, and when you head down under. You get this automated message about how you're fighting for the glory of mankind. And everybody's always going, for glory the glory of mankind. mankind. Yeah. You don't see any humans. No. I haven't seen any humans yet. As far as I know, they're on the moon somewhere. I think they're all gone. Yeah, I guess that's very possible. I mean, it's not exactly a happy game. So that's the kind of ending it would probably no. give you. That's a, absolutely a Taro Yoko kind of thing to do. <laughs> so that's my prediction. Don't tell me what happens. Of I don't want to be spoiled. But that's what I... Like, I'm sitting here, like, every time I'm playing, I'm like, oh, God, I'm killing these robots. And Taro Yoko is about to tell me what an awful person I am for killing all these robots. <laughs> it's just like the original Nier. It's like a key thing. And there's, like, messed up imagery in here. Like, you run into this robot, and I got to say, seeing a robot cuddling a, a little baby and going, nice baby, nice baby. It's like, ah, it was a very... <laughs> It was a very, it was a memorable image, Nadia. It was a memorable image. Yeah, this game has has many memorable images. Uh, I have to say, though, the music on the the moon base is just phenomenal. I love that tune. Oh, you've been to the moon base. And you're talking about the star base. Star base, sorry. There's a star base hovering around the Earth. Right, right. Not the moon, though. 
Yeah, because there are multiple space stations that launch them. Right, right. While humans live on the moon with their harpoons, hunting whales. <laughs> hunting but... whales. They ain't no whales who tell hot tales and sing a whaling tune. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was making multiple references to that episode of Futurama, actually, during my stream earlier this week. Because... I bet. Because at one point I was fighting a robot. So you get to this amusement park (laughs) and you're fighting this robot that's going on about how it wants to be pretty. (laughs) And I was like, oh, it's a crushinator. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Pa. (laughs) Oh, that was a fun (laughs) Yoo-hoo. Too bad I was busy. I would have watched it. Uh, It was good times. But uh, so apparently... So, a few observations, Nadia. Mm-hmm. This game is a lot prettier than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. As I've looked at the screenshots and I was like, oh, yeah, it doesn't look that impressive. In motion, it looks great. Uh, the the yeah. frame rate's terrific, very smooth, <laughs> and the art is really distinctive. And when I'm in the kind of the open world area, the initial open world area, it's I really love that kind of ruin porn. For yeah, a better, lack of a better too. phrase, the I, I forget what the name of the show is. Like it was like Life After Humans or something yeah. like that. The World After Humans, and it shows what, say, a lot of the world would look like. Uh, say like Detroit, <laughs> <laughs> except more vegetation. I think if you look at old pictures of say the World Cup Stadium in Brazil or the Olympic facilities in Greece that have just been completely reclaimed, yeah, abandoned. Yeah, have been abandoned and reclaimed by nature almost immediately. It's mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. So it's not as good as what you'll find in, say, Last of Us or anything. No, no. It still looks pretty good. But I think it's a lot like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 in that it has a certain style to it that you don't mind so much that the textures are a little eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll talk about this on another podcast, but I mentioned it. Uh, I'm going to write about this at some point man i think 2017 has just really put to get bed for good the idea that graphics are a thing that really yes, matter i was thinking about that too myself a lot lately like the Nint- the success of the nintendo switch the fact that most of the top games that have come out this year are not uh, are not social ma- are not masterpieces in terms mm-hmm. of graphics mm-hmm. all you really need is a really really strong kind of artistic style yes a yes. strong sense of style that fits well with your game don't be boring don't be ugly and you'll you'll be fine yeah. <laughs> and if anything it'll hold up a lot better than a lot of the games that are quote-unquote graphical powerhouses and near automata is another example of it it's it's i mean this is a game that they could probably have put on the xbox 360 easily let's be yeah. honest yeah and uh, it certainly could look just fine on the nintendo switch which by the way should be on nintendo switch yeah when uh, when they were making some kind of announcement the other night i was thinking oh boy here comes an announcement for near on the switch but no it wasn't it oh that would be rad but no no that's the perfect switch game oh, yeah too many switch games uh i yeah it's not a graphical powerhouse but i i i think there will be at least a few outlets that name it game of the year yeah, so. I think so. I think I know that Katie is going to like kill us before she surrenders her pick for uh, yeah. as <laughs> game of the year. I mean, I need to play some more of it, but I'm Same. really impressed so far. Yeah, I, I need to get back into it too. I read some people were saying moose. that some. So sorry, what were you writing about? Oh, I I wrote on a moose is what I said. You wrote on a moose? Yeah. Oh, you rode on a moose. I thought you wrote on a moose. Nadia was here. That is the most Canadian experience ever. I must have it. (laughs) 
It was like in uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. I rode on a battle moose and it was rad. Nice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Nier Automata. Uh, I've seen also some people say that the the combat is not that very good. Um, I and liked it. I, I like it. No, they're going, well, it's not very mechanically deep. I don't think it has to be that mechanically deep. No, it's I satisfying. Think, I think it. I think it has to be that just good enough to not get in the way. Yes, and it's very platinum in yeah. that it's very straightforward. It's not a lot of gimmicks, not a lot of QTEs. Thank God. Yeah, and it's based around a very pretty. It's based on a pretty simple uh, kind of formula of dodge attack, dodge attack, right? And yeah. you're fighting fast paced. Uh, interesting enemies. Uh, you'll get a tell that tells you that you need to dodge and then you need to go back in and keep hitting at them. Feels great. Exactly. I have no problem with it whatsoever. It's it's fun. So, Yeah, I'm here for combat that feels good. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, is it as deep as, say, Devil May Cry? Eh. <laughs> Does it need to be? Eh. eh. The Devil May Cry was focused entirely around the combat yes nobody was in it for the story i'm uh, okay yes dante aficionados maybe you are but <laughs> you'll hear from them at the end of the day it's basically like watching john wick right you're yeah. just watching keanu reeves doing awesome things and you're going well i love this game right yeah. <laughs> whereas near automata you're in it for the story yeah so that's that's another thing i think the combat is fun and satisfying and doesn't get in the way and that's mm-hmm. what matters and the music, whoo! Oh, music's that fantastic. soundtrack. Oh, yeah, that it, soundtrack. And it was when it was between Near and Persona Five. I was like, "Oh, that's going to be hard." I kind of hoped Persona Five would take it, but I'm glad Near did. Yeah. So, I just finished fighting the Crushinator in the amusement park. Uh, how far are you? I don't remember. I don't remember if I got to that point in the game. I it sounds familiar, so I must have. But yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, I really need to jog my memory. Do you have any additional thoughts? Uh, to add on to what I've said about Nier Automata? Uh, I just have to really go back and, and refresh my memory on it. I wish I had time to do that beforehand. But uh, yeah, I do know it was just a very fascinating game. Did you get that loading screen that lasted forever and warned you if you would back out that you're going to... Did you did you experience that at all? No, I didn't experience the loading screen that warned me about things and lasted forever. Yeah, because... Okay, so here's what I went through. Um Maybe because you downloaded the game a long time ago and just getting it to it now. Uh, but I, I downloaded the game, and what it does is it gives you, like, it downloads part of the game. You play through the intro, that's right. And then you're stuck on this loading screen, except you don't really know what it is, because it's not like they blatantly tell you this is a loading screen. But it's installing the game and giving you this this quiz that you cannot win. There's no right answers. It's all existential stuff. And you're just kind of stuck there looking at this screen and, and saying, okay, uh... Is this a is this a loading screen? So if you try to back out, it warns you you have to start all over again. Uh, and that I guess is I suppose I mean the first mission. But yeah, that was a that was an experience, all right. Uh, they really like messing around with you, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that going on. I gotta say, it really helps uh, Taro Yoko to get platinum involved. Oh yeah. Because man, I reviewed Dragon Guard three back in the day. That game was a mess. I was always kind of interested in the Dragon Guard series, but I've always heard it was a mess, so I never got into it. Dragon Guard Three is so weird because it, it has a very magical girl vibe to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Because you are basically... Imagine if one of the Sailor Scouts went completely insane and started killing everybody. Wow. <laughs> you are that Sailor Scout. And you're fighting the other Sailor Scouts. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And... Yeah, like one of the initial endings, it's just blood, blood everywhere. <laughs> and I was just like, what is going, what is this even? Holy crap. That's Taro. Yeah, so Yoko Taro, right? Yeah. But the the combat wasn't very satisfying. It was mm-hmm. actually a lot worse than Nier Automata, and the frame rate was pretty bad, and the graphics really weren't that good, and oh, it was not a good game, so... Uh, Nier Automata is such a substantial step up over over that. That's platinum for you. They're the fixers. They're the fixer uppers. They come in and they they did it for uh, uh, Kojima and uh, the 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 writing game, and they've done it for Nier as well. So. Okay, Nadia. As always, we have our letters for the week and the first one as always is our friend Ryder Kicker friend of the show I'm on the fence on buying Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now as I have not gotten Breath of the Wild yet I've read reviews watched the Tim Rogers video and it's a hot mess <laughs> that I shouldn't spend the $65 on just yet but I'm glad that you guys are finding much fun there hasn't been any AAA releases I've wanted since Mario Odyssey so I'm looking uh so I am catching up on the backlog. I made a little more progress on Chrono Trigger since I left this episode, defeating Masa and Mune on the first try. Congratulations, which I really failed in the PS1 version many moons ago. <laughs> Considering this podcast in VG Apocalypse, uh, yeah, it's uh, Brent Elston, I would really like the PS2 SMT games announced for the Switch, especially the Devil Summoner ones. Not many Persona game fans have played it, and those that did say it's a rocking good time. That'd be really awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, the Switch is such a great example uh, opportunity for these games that were really awesome and were underappreciated to kind of get a little bit more mainstream notice. Uh, see Bayonetta, Bayonetta two. one, yep. Yeah. Bayonetta one and two are coming. Yep. Uh, FTL Mantis uh, says, "I agree with your take on Pyro Nadia. I think her voice actor is amazing." It makes her seem like enough of an adult that the battle entree doesn't dominate her character. Mm-hmm. Wish they had made other design decisions, but not about to give up on the game over it. Fair enough. Yeah. On a semi-related note, this discussion of Demon Souls led me to me thinking more about the series and deciding I've never played a Souls game again that doesn't have an Estus Flask system. I never finished Demon Souls, and I never finished Bloodborne, despite having beaten each of the other Souls games several times. The decision to punish you for exploring in a long-term manner goes so completely against the structure of Souls games that I can't believe they ever made the mistake of going back to that system. I'm sure that for real Souls experts for whom these games are a lifestyle and are easy, this system is fine. But for a casual, and I use that in the loosest sense of the term, the threat of having to grind for potions ruins the whole flow of the game. Hmm. Yeah, because in Dark Souls, that was one of the things that the Estus Flasks would be... um, Re- refilled refilled as opposed to in demon souls so yeah that wasn't fun <laughs> <laughs> i bet i had forgotten about that yeah demon souls was pretty punishing in a lot of regards you never played demon souls so no i didn't that's nah, fine you can play dark souls <laughs> yeah i i've dark souls and bloodborne is definitely on my to my to-do list yeah make that in uh 20 2018 definitely yeah no i i definitely want to get it i i think that i would like it i really liked salt and sanctuary which was like a 2d uh, Dark Souls. <laughs> uh, Victor Hunter says, if you want to keep the Pokemon as a metaphor going, in, uh, sorry, 
If you want to keep the Pokemon as an MMO metaphor going, investing in a new iteration is kind of like paying your subscription fee for that season, (laughs) which I will still gladly do rather than having a single Pokemon client that gets updated every year. Patching and updating like that digitally means limiting the availability of those intermediate points that are valuable to the series. I understand Kat's distaste for playing through story mode again, but when the developers have proven they can make meaningful sequels like Black 2, White 2, I don't want to remove that possibility from the table. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think the solution that would please people like Cat, who are in it for the late game content, would be to have some kind of companion app that comes out alongside the release of the game with a focus on competitive battling and team building. Something more akin to a Pokemon Stadium. A Switch app that exists purely to receive an update anytime there's new developments in the battle system. And players use that to exclusively focus on combat while maybe earning points that can be used to transfer items to the main games or something like that. I guess Pokemon Battle Revolution, but good? <laughs> also, shout out to Xenoblade Chronicles 2's soundtrack. People heap a lot of totally justified praise on XC and 2, but X had some killer tracks. I'm hoping for a Switch port just so many more people get a chance to play it. So, uh, a couple thoughts. I've thought that Nintendo... So, right now, there's a browser game called Pokemon Showdown that's entirely fan-made. Oh, and cool. you can go and you can play any Pokemon metagame you want. But most people play the latest metagame. And you all you have to do is just input all of your monsters into the system. And you can build a team and you can go and battle. And it's kind of simplistic, but... There's some basic animations going on. It, it's pretty cool, right? That sounds pretty cool. Um, it has matchmaking, has a ladder, has the whole nine yards and everything. Great way to experiment with the different ways to play Pokemon. So I totally think that Nintendo should go do that. They mm-hmm. should. It, I don't think they will because I think they're afraid that it'll end up undermining the main games. Maybe, but then you have Pokemon Go. and which, uh, To be honest, I play Pokemon Go. I love Pokemon Go, but it's not... Pokemon by a long shot. And Animal Crossing, same thing. Uh, Pocket Camp is fun. I enjoy it for what it is, but it's not the the actual uh, Animal Crossing experience. And to Nintendo's credit, it never really tries to be. It never really pushes itself as one. So yeah. if they want to like kind of make it clear, okay, this is a, this is a fun Pokemon side thing you can do, I, I think they might go for it. Yeah, it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I actually think that it would be beneficial for them because mm-hmm. it would make people get that much more interested in the high-level play of Pokemon yeah. and be more likely to buy the main game. Yeah. Especially if you made it so that, for example, in League games, you had to train up your own monsters mm. uh, rather than, for example, being able to just play on the app. <laughs> <laughs> So, in any case, uh, I saw a good solution that I personally like, which is release Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon as a kind of a game of the year edition, mm. that, and then make the extra bits available as DLC for people who invest in the original game. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that idea a lot. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's kind of the most optimal solution. I, I don't think that Pokemon should be a quote-unquote single client <laughs> Mm-hmm. that just gets updated forever, though we may ultimately get to that point. Um, but I do really want them to find a way to make it so that I can get to this sweet, sweet endgame content without having to go through the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Satellite of Love. I will go into Demon Souls for a while since you let me. Actually, I don't have time, but I will say this atmosphere, variety, secrets, level design, and online quality is exemplary. 
game is scary as shit. Old Monk was easily, easily the best fight boss fight of Gen 7. Roots in the best of the gaming's past, the wings to a better gaming future. Also, Xenoblade 2 feels like Tales of Zysteria from all this Blade stuff, but way less bland. Ah, yes, another Tales game. (laughs) I I have not played the Tales game since... Tales of Fantasia for the SNES, like, uh, I played a fan translation of it, and I was like, this is kind of boring, and I just never went back to the series, and it'll kill me now, but that's how I feel. And Moochan says, Nadia, you should explain how magic stacking works if you know about that, where if you have, where if you time the magic animation before it actually hits, you can build up, deal big damage without having to wait for the enemy to come back. Also, it's a fast way to level up, which I feel Cat would like in Secret of Mana. What is this magic stacking? I have to be honest. I've heard of it, but I never use magic stacking very much. But yeah, there's what? a certain thing you could do where if you cast this spell uh, after a certain animation is performed, you can just basically stack the spells. You should look that up. I guess oh, was, you, I'm, I'm so entrenched you, in Secret of Mana playing it my own way that I just never, I never considered it. I'm sorry, Cat. You totally lost me. Yeah, the second that you said, add a certain animation, done. (laughs) I might be wrong. Look it up. The whole animation counting thing in Street Fighter is what ultimately lost me on that series, Mm because it's just totally beyond me. That's probably why I never really adapted to to, uh, the whole spell stacking thing in Secret of Mana. I just never felt a reason to go to it. The game has its own rhythm and flow that I'm just familiar with at this point. I was so excited for the announcement of Soul Calibur during the Game Awards because I was like, yes, the only fighting game I still like. I haven't played a Soul Calibur game. I should do that now. The soul still burns. Soul Calibur. I played the original Soul Calibur on Dreamcast, and at the time it was the most beautiful game I had ever seen. Mm, I would... There was this cool thing where you could look at each character and the character would be just standing in their stage Mm. and you could have them do different poses or give uh say different lines and you could read their biography and you could just rotate the camera and i would just do that because it looks so cool (laughs) Uh, i love soul caliber so i'm you're happy uh, yeah i'm super pumped that it's coming out uh again on current gen consoles but okay nadia Axe of Blood God is a U.S. Gamer podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are sold. Make sure to subscribe us, review us, rate us. If you like the pod, we always like hearing from you, especially when you leave nice reviews. It warms the cockles of our dead, cold, dead heart. Um, Many ways to connect to us. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at the underscore catbot, Nadia at Nadia Oxford, and Twitter at U.S. Gamer Net. And we stream every Tuesday and Thursday at U.S. Gamer Net. And, of course, there's our other podcast, the U.S. Gamer Podcast, where we talk about things a little more general. Nadia, what did you talk about this past week? Uh, we talked about, uh, I actually talked a bit about Five Nights at Freddy's, if you pardon me, the, the indulgence. Ah, uh, yes. FNAF. FNAF. <laughs> yeah, FNAF. FNAF. Because, yeah, the sixth game came out, and um, it's kind of cute because it starts off as, like, this fun little pizza arcade game, and then it devolves into something really kind of twisted and dark as the usual. So uh, I talked a bit about that, and um, what else did we talk about? God, it feels like it was so long ago, but it was just a couple of days ago. I'm getting old. Yeah, I I know that Katie was talking about Destiny 2's expansion and complaining about it, so 
if you want to hear about why the Destiny 2 expansion is very good, you can go go listen to that. Oh, when we talked about Mega Man 11. Mega Man 11 right there, about, right? A lot about that. That was me and Mike going back and forth a lot, and Katie, who hasn't played a Mega Man game, as she said on Twitter, she nodded politely the whole time. Babies. Babies. Children. I told her, you know what? There's one, if there's one Mega Man game you have to play, it's just X. Just play X. Go from you there know? if you like it. I initially would. I used to disagree. Now I wholeheartedly agree. You, you like. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, two, You know, but I, I totally prefer X. And not only that, I am totally going to get all of the Mega Man. You can get. You're soon going to be able to get every mainline Mega Man game. Yeah, on that's the Nintendo Switch. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's really Mega cool. Man Legacy Collection One and Two and X. Yep. Yep. Um, I will say though, X Six and X Seven are terrible. So skip those. But I liked X8. So jump, jump, slide, slide, jump, jump. It's worse than that. I want to play Mega Man X4. X4 is a great game. That was a that was one of those PlayStation games that really let you look at how the generation advanced. Like, here's the mm. SNES and here's the PlayStation. Oh my god, look at those just the colors and the the animation and the translucent effects. I X4 was a was a real thrill to play. I want to play Mega Man 8 again. Why? <laughs> you just said I'm Tengu Man. Okay, yeah, the voice acting is legendary. Yes, I, I'm a fan. All right, go check that out. Uh, we'll be back next week, as always, to be doing our 2017 recap. Yep. And maybe finish up uh, Final Fantasy IX and talk us some more about Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But, yeah, we'll be back next Friday. Until then, thanks for listening, as always, and supporting the show. But until then, for Nadi and myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring.